0: Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circus Sports Iowa app today. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes
2: and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio.
0: Welcome to the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios for Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. This is kicking it with Jeff Woody and Grant Mahoney. So, welcome, Grant Mahoney. How you doing, buddy?
1: Good, glad to be here. Glad to be here in studio with the Rob Gray as well. Rob Gray, the grizzled also veteran.
0: The grizzled veteran,
2: Rob Gray. Grizzled veteran, the Woodman. That's still <laughs> one of my favorites, that call on that touchdown. The Woodman. I don't remember
0: I don't think anyone has ever called me that in person other than you. Like yeah. I think you're that's the
2: only I just remember the call when I went back and watched it and I was like, they called him the Woodman.
0: <laughs> and literally nobody <laughs> I else. Roll with it. The weird the other weird nickname that I got, so uh with a name like Woody, there's a lot of different directions uh, yeah, it can yeah, go. Yeah. A lot of different directions it can go. Uh, The weirdest one was Woodshed. Mm. That was uh, Don Starsevich is a defensive coordinator at Sally Spoke would call me Woodshed, which turned into Shed. So I don't know why that became the thing that we went to. So Woodman and Woodshed are the only two that like someone would actually call me that, but it's just one person that would call me that.
1: (laughs) Not the direction I would go with the name Woody, but... Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of drunk fans in the third row of the stands. They have called me many different things. Uh, many of them are not really a repeatable for microphones. <laughs> uh, first, before we get started, uh, I'm going to thank title sponsor. Again, we thanked Calderon Manufacturing and Oskaloosa for like straight up just point blank saying, hey, we'll sponsor this show <laughs> Woody and Gmo and having no idea what the show's about. Uh, so thanks, Calder Manufacturing. Uh, they are... The Kelderman corn reel is the original down corn reel invented by Gary Kelderman back in 1977, but they bend the spokes in that corn reel so it works in standing corn. Are you, you have chickens, do you have any uh, crop at all?
2: I don't have any chickens. I I do grow food in my garden though. I've got some watermelon going. I got some unintentional uh, Australian butter squash coming out of my compost pile.
0: Congratulations. Yeah, on that was from your, last year. Such a green thumb. You didn't even mean you know, to. A lot of others have
2: strawberries. I love strawberries. Raspberries. will put on a second crop soon. Enough about that though. I don't want to dominate the Do you the need podcast.
0: a kelder manufacturing uh, combine?
2: Not. Attachment? If, if I have the size of garden I'd want to have on my wish list, I absolutely would. Well, if you do.
0: They have mounts for damn near every combine head ever made. If they don't have it, they'll make it. And the reason why is because these guys actually are farmers. So you can appreciate that someone in manufacturing who actually is a farmer is going to do a job, right? So thanks for coming on, Rob. Absolutely. And thanks for Calder manufacturing. My pleasure. So to start. So my last Thursday, and I was going to ask how you guys are doing, but I don't really care. Uh, (laughs) So my last weekend, what I went to is so on Thursday, we went up to Madison, the CrossFit Games, just the world championship of CrossFit. It's it's phenomenal. It's Terrifically interesting. They start with 40 men 40 women teams uh, adaptive divisions So people that have are missing a leg hand arm whatever they have competition fitness competitions for them But the main show is the individuals and they start with 40 men 40 women and they'll cut down to 30 and they'll cut down to 20 and there's 12 events if you win an event you get 100 points If you get last in the event you get zero points So you're trying to stack up as many points across the events as you can and it's everything from cycling to weightlifting or whatever and so you're there from eight o'clock in the morning to like four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock, sometimes seven o'clock on one of the days. And you're just paying attention. You're just glued in to what these people are doing from Thursday to today. Things happened. <laughs> like so what? like what? <laughs> so I'm going, I'm at the games and you go out to eat with we, was a, a group, like 18, I think of us from the, the gyms that we have, uh, that came up and went to the games, kind of go get dinner with each other, you know, have a couple beers and whatever, go home, check Twitter. And like, <laughs> holy shit! So in X. the time between Thursday and today, X. oh sorry, X. X. It's X. It's not
2: Twitter. So,
0: yeah. What do you
2: think about the rebrand? <laughs> as generic as it could possibly be. But you're still tweeting,
1: right? T- Are you I tweeting? I call it tweets. So Are I'm you ever going to call it Xing? Are you Xing on X?
2: Because that that had a different connotation. <laughs> when I was in school.
1: And, you, and you still go to Twitter.com if you just go from like a browser. I'm assuming. I don't understand. Uh, Elon Musk. Anyways. I
0: have but
2: to say it because it's it's
0: ridiculous. appropriate. No, it's correcting the branding. Thank but, yeah, you. Thank you yeah, for that. We have to appease the internet overlords. It's my job. Um, but we have like between Thursday and today, I remember seeing that. So Colorado's already in, safely in, got that. They're in the boat. They're rowing around. They're with the Big 12. So the Big 12 became the Big 13. So cool. Great. Now, in between Thursday and now, Arizona was added and then they weren't because the, the Pac-12 is gonna sign the grant of rights and everybody was all together. And then Oregon and Washington were all together, but they were flirting with the Big 10, weren't serious. They were just flirting, they're talking. They're somewhere between flirting and dating. And then they go from not being part of the Big 10 to then being completely a part of the Big 10. And then Arizona then says, I wanna be a part of the Big 12. And all of a sudden the Pac-12 is now four teams the big 12 is now 16 teams.
1: It, it was only six teams. And then Arizona state and Utah were like, well, wow, I'm going to join."
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna come on too. So it was <laughs> kind yeah, of, out of nowhere. The big 12 is yeah. 14. And then Arizona state and Utah were going to come and they weren't going to come. And then they did come again. Uh, and now the big 12 is 16. The big 10 is 18. The Pac 12 is four. And we don't know what to do with numbers. So, um, <laughs> what? I think, I don't know if like, we were talking about this before we recorded Rob. Um, the thoughts on realignment because if you're going to listen to like how it happened or what actually like the the logistical steps on this are i i legitimately think there is not a better source to go th- through than chris williams and brent is also really good because he understands tv contracts so chris and brent they didn't want their sunday pod was fantastic yeah. so the logistics those are going to be off the table at least it's not something that we're really going to be able to add too much of however as a writer understanding the storylines. We were talking about this before. And like, yes, there is a sigh of relief that the big 12 is on more stable ground, but there's also the other side of it where this is, there's a potential for it to head not down a great direction.
2: I, as a writer, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thought is I put myself in my fan position, yeah, which I can't do, obviously, and I'm reporting on the team. <laughs> uh as a professional but um uh i i don't it's it's i i i think that there's a danger that college football eventually will become such a super league type of situation that a lot of rank and file fans that aren't already fans of some of those said super teams that really get invited to the, the to the club mm-hmm. uh will lose interest and i mean i'm just looking at it from a you guys watch ted lasso yes of, of course. course Who does at, you know the guy came in he was gonna form the super league he's offering them all the money how much more money they're gonna make and then you know of course you gotta win rebecca injects the i don't want to do this to my fans i don't want to do this to our fans it's, it's bad for the sport it's this and that and i think that's the danger i mean frankly i was hoping from a perspective of college football overall health with the fan bases and everything, uh, even th- including the money, that it would have ended with Colorado and adding another school in the Pac-12 would have held together. Because the idea of that conference not existing, I don't think that's good for the sport. You lose that entire tradition. And you got to balance tradition with money. and and. It, What's funny is a lot of the people who are at the president level eight and on, on up, university president and, and TV, they, they sort of talk about survival. And as Brent and Chris talk about, you know, the, the so-called cable companies, which are not cable companies anymore, the ESPNs, the Fox, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they're kind of tapped out. So streaming is going to become more of a, possib- you know, a necessity mm-hmm. for the sport. So they talk about survival though and when it's really kind of like a story of greed to me mm-hmm. and um it, I, it's probably a mixture of both mm-hmm. but I just think it, in terms of a storyline I think you know what is it a is uh, are fans of Washington State a considerable part of that money picture no or, or, or you know is Iowa State? you know not not necessarily I mean you you know but this having those a lot of fan bases disaffected and feeling like they are so far removed i mean let's face it the big 12 now has emerged as what the the top have not conference mm-hmm. where the big 10 and the sec are the haves mm-hmm. um i think the big 12 keeps that interest because they feel more involved and you got a whole healthy idea when the playoffs expand you got what six guaranteed yeah Conference? how what does that look like i mean yeah it, i it, it's it's it feels stable, but it's still entirely un- unstable. And at some point, people, I think, get disillusioned and 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 jump off and and think like it's the NFL. And if they don't have a team in the NFL, they don't care about it. Yeah. Go well,
1: ahead. I mean, I I think it's interesting you talk about you know the college football playoffs because where my mind was kind of going is. You, bowl games are already kind of being diluted and you know they don't really you know you have your your superstars are sitting out which is a completely justifiable thing like if I was if I was a
0: first round pick potential first round pick in the NFL and I'm playing in anything less than like the Cotton Bowl you know like I realistically I wouldn't play like when Brees Mm -hmm. didn't play back when there when Iowa State was playing Clemson
1: you shouldn't yeah yeah but like I guess where I was going is that like the tie-ins which the tie-ins are also kind of you know not really set in stone, but the Rose Bowl has such a, uh, you know, a history of, you know, usually it's pack 12 and big 10. Well, yeah, you know, the, when the pack 12 is gone, what are they, they going to do? You know? And, and I don't know what the future looks like for college football playoffs, but I, I have to imagine that, you know, kind of all the alliances where, um, you know, the, the Rose Bowl, for instance, I got to imagine that those are just gone and then, you know, the, the, the big four or five games are just a part of the, of the playoffs. We kind of see, you know, a new, landscape of of major college football games or college football playoff games and bowl games
0: yeah i think the the other thing that is that was interesting about this and i I had talked about this on a podcast with jared a while back which i think there's there's two things that come to mind in this which and i mentioned this last week which is again one of my my funny the, the funniest quirks of people are when perfectly rational individual decisions make terrible decisions for the group and the example on this would be like uh i want to go to the you know you're at at the crossfit games it's you know eight nine thousand people in an arena and you have like 12 minutes between event two and event three and so like everybody has to pee at that time Mm. and so a perfectly rational individual decision is if you just walk up to the bathroom and you just walk and you kind of push somebody out of the way and get to the urinal because there's a there could theoretically be a urinal open well, that makes sense for you to do that because you have to pee, you have, there's a urinal that you could get to, but if every single person had that same thought, then you have a mass brawl trying to get to the urinals and there would just be piss everywhere. There's, <laughs> there's <laughs> other consequences happen, but
2: it's one of those things And you cannot share urinals you, too, well, you know. I mean, you could. They had some of those trough, you know, they have some oh, of those trough true. ones stadiums. That's true,
0: like The like pee trough, like back in like,
2: a, I think Sec Taylor had that for a while. uh, I think even um, Jack Christ Stadium did. I mean, that was fairly common in a lot of places. I, it's I, well, I i'm old i, I can't guys, imagine why you guys that aren't enough. old like me i can't I can imagine remember. why that
1: didn't exist anymore i personally enjoy standing shoulder, shoulder peeing next to
2: shoulder <laughs> into a trough
1: so and that's you
0: just do that sometimes just walk up to a farm and just stand next to a horse and just be in there being a trough that's i don't know a, that's a farm but the the interesting thing is that like the perfectly rational individuals individual individual decisions make for bad group decisions and this feels like one of those moments where a rational individual decision by a university or by a conference is a negative for the whole but the problem is and i i would say this might be an optimistic take not say the problem the situation going forward is that there is a, there is a breaking point where that goes too far and the whole thing falls apart and i think there will be, there will be enough cracks in that and there will be enough bad response to it to make it not worth it so what I mean by this is that like the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, they are the stable conferences now. <laughs> They're the ones that you can trust. Those teams that are in there are f- reasonably financially secure. I read an article, uh, I think it was by Doctrman actually, either Doctrman or Mandel, that wrote about Rutgers and their finances mm-hmm. may or may not be all that yep. on good standing. But for the most part, the schools in those leagues are on good footing. And so they can feel like they are on good footing well the acc and the pac-12 obviously the whatever's left of the pac-12 kind of can't so they then are thinking sort of cannibalistically and they're trying to survive and the big 12 is trying to survive and whatever's trying to survive but they do what's best for the big 12 which is then trying to compete against the big 10 to compete against the sec and to compete against whatever and all this competition doesn't actually make for a better product it makes for a more competitive uh antagonistic league that you're only looking out for making sure that it exists that is how the current moment exists if this progresses further in this lane i think rob you were mentioning is you start to get the point where a super league becomes a reasonable discussion of where you have ohio state and michigan and alabama and georgia and lsu and and the list is pretty short on that but the majesty of college football is that it's the transitive property of giving a shit, which is i use let's use the example of washington state when iowa state was playing the alamo it was in the alamo bowl against washington state I couldn't give a rat's ass about Washington State up until the fact that it was possible or plausible that Iowa State was going to play Washington State in the Alamo Bowl. Mm -hmm. So I, because I care about Iowa State, Washington State matters to Iowa State, thereby transitive property, I care about Washington State. If the initial link in that chain of it matters to my team, if that link is gone, then the entire fan base falls apart. House of Cards, whole thing's gone. Because if you're just looking to watch the best football, you watch the NFL. They're better players. Mm-hmm. There's better teams. The guys understand they're professionals. There's not any risk of them, like, uh, feel, you're not, you don't feel guilty at all. There's no other feeling. It's like, Patrick Mahomes is a really good freaking player. I'm going to watch Patrick Mahomes play. And you don't worry about what's going to happen from that, or you don't think about anything like that. So if you're going to do a Super League with Ohio State, Michigan, and LSU, and whatever, and it doesn't involve... or 80% of the schools across the country, 80% of the country isn't going to care. And I think that's where there is enough, even if you're taking that perfectly rational individual decisions, if you're taking those rational individual decisions to that point, it will stop making individual sense when the whole thing falls apart because there won't be enough advertising revenue, there won't be enough eyeballs to come back in because when you lose i mean Iowa's probably on the borderline of existing that so you lose minnesota maybe on the borderline of that missouri's not uh indiana's not indiana's not so you lose basically the state of missouri the state of iowa uh the state of illinois the state of indiana you lose all of those school or all those states the entire population center of those states and they're not watching it doesn't matter so i think what's probably going to be more of a reasonable thing to happen than one super league is actually again perhaps too optimistic is the you get a diverse representation of who all is in the field so Oregon State might make it back into this pile Washington State might make it back into this pile it's that power five breaking off because with this combative relationship between the big 12 and the Pac-12 or the big 10 and the Pac-12 and the ACC and the SEC and stealing schools and you know biggies dying and the Pac-12 dying and all that kind of stuff because there's no commissioner, there's no organizing body that makes those rational decisions make more sense together. So eventually there will be a, I think there's going to be a break off of those power five leagues. And then from there, in order to get the best TV dollars, Kansas state and Iowa state has to still exist. Iowa and Wisconsin Mm -hmm. has to still exist. Ohio state, Michigan has to still exist because I don't care if we are playing Michigan state, it's a big brand. Doesn't matter. There's no history. There's nothing to it so at some point the it doesn't seem like any other feasible way for this thing to exist except in x number of years when the tv contracts and whatever are up there's a big pot of schools that comes in summer routine 40 and 60 or 65 they break off they have a commissioner of some sort that's overseeing all that they do the 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 negotiations for Uh, like the NFL does with AFC, NFC, where the AFC is on CBS, the NFC is on Fox, the Sunday night games on NBC, and you have Monday night football on ESPN. All those things like check off, they just bargain them out, but then it all comes back to the NFL and the better product rises everybody. So it feels like that is the next major shift that would happen is when everybody gets together. And then at that point, you resegment based on regional regional geography and historical stuff. So it feels like right now, It is an awkward teenager that has pimples all over its face, like giant hands, gobbly ass knees, doesn't look good right now, but it will eventually mature into something that is what it should be or what it has or what it should have been. But there's going to be a lot of crap in the way. And there's a lot of wrong choices that you can make in order to get there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I I think too, that, you know, it's always the the shiny new thing that people like, and so like, I would say playing BYU, like, oh, that's so cool. I would say going to Houston, whatever. So like, yeah, it's, it's I think it's really fun for the first few years. But then I think like you said, the creams and rise to the top and people are going to want to see, you know, the, the, the SEC and the big 10 kind of form a, a super league. So then does it become, you know, what we have now is as a power five, is that kind of the new power five? And then it's almost, you know, three or four levels where it's like the super conference, the Iowa States of the world, the Oregon state, Washington state of the world. And then like the, the UNLVs, you know, like kind of the four different tiers, And then the UNI. You know, like the the fcs level well
0: i just don't think that there's gonna be enough care like i don't think if if, if i don't have a shot if my team doesn't have a shot then it I mean what's the point
1: you, you you see that in bowl games too i mean if your team's not playing you know in, in a you know one of the, the new year's six games mm-hmm. you know like we mentioned not only are all your superstars not playing no one really cares
2: yeah i I'd have to, just have to say as an aside jeff i dubbed you the best i give you the best athlete award for analogies <laughs> <laughs> it goes all the way back to your playing days and you manage to you manage to turn it into a bathroom analogy i could think of a traffic analogy too like if you're in la uh-huh. uh and i've been there a number of times Since my sister lives there
0: it is terrifying yes, on the highways but
2: but i posit that drivers there are more likely to let people in on an exit than drivers on i-235 because they've been there the, their whole lives they know what it means they don't angrily decide i'm not letting someone in mm. uh people get let i was i didn't have to drive i oh. was driven but i was paying attention to it. it's like oh they got merge. they're four cars back well people just let people in i mean you yeah, have some people drive like maniacs but they know that it'll grind to a halt or have a massive pile up if they drive like, I got mine, I, uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not gonna let you in.
0: Again, which would be justifiable. Like it's a justifiable individual decision if you're saying like, I will get there faster if I do not let this person in.
2: But eventually you will come to, again, come to a halt because mm-hmm. everyone is going to be doing that. right? And they're, they recognize that because that's been their normal for so long. Whereas for all the people in Des Moines, it hasn't always been the normal for people mm-hmm. that move in, you know, and, and maybe lived, you know, in a, in a smaller town or mm-hmm. something. Uh, uh, so that's, that's my, my, uh, contribution to the analogy thing without, uh, without the the color, without the color. But I mean, I also want to say that we're almost at the super league point already, I mean, the big 10 and the sec, you could step two instead of one. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've so separated themselves financially, uh, from the others. And the big 12 is, I mean, what I worry about also, and I think it's, the transitive property is great I, I i you all fan bases would become outside of the super league would become like mid-majors mm-hmm. in college yeah become basketball. ball state that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what i was what i was yeah. getting at so it's like we got a chance if we can win the conference to get in there but then what are your resources like i mean man, we haven't talked about how nil affects all yeah. this and mm-hmm. i mean that could even affect whether star players sit out bowl games i mean at some point yeah. but you know and then another it, does the pack still have do they try to get teams from the mountain west do, do they go into the mountain west we've already seen really weird stuff like stanford and washington or not stanford and cal becoming part of the atlantic coast conference i mean it all becomes absurd at some point right yeah and i think people you know to what you said you've got to maintain those regional rivalries any way you can And it doesn't have to be in conferences, Iowa and Iowa State have proven over the years. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Without that glue, it does become, oh, Alabama's playing who? Right. Why? Oh, it's like week seven, and the Patriots are playing the Carolina Panthers. You know, yeah it doesn't I, it doesn't matter and i think unless that, you're a fan of the team you don't care
0: right and that's where like the every professional sports league is divided into regional divisions when you think about it, the nfl yep. the nfc north east south and west yep. the afc north east south and west the nba has the east has the what the atlantic and the whatever, whatever the two divisions yeah. are Eastern the north conference, and south Eastern conference, Eastern conference. and then, the and then like there's little subdivisions in there because then you have the bucks playing the bulls and that matters and you have the lakers playing the warriors and that matters you have the knicks playing the celtics and that matters and the the regionality of that is what makes sports sports. Because one of the things, if you think about this whole thing that we're, that we're doing, we have this beautiful studio, thank you to the Wild Rose Casino Studios and Nebraska Furniture Mart for finishing it, furnishing this. We have this beautiful studio to talk about games. It means nothing. But so if you think about it rationally, it doesn't make any sense why this exists which is why like the USFL and the XFL and like the Birmingham stallions and whatever the, those teams have had such a hard time catching on is because you can't just start fandom. It doesn't make sense. There is no rationality to it. You don't like I've asked this before. So I am sort of uh, pro team agnostic. I kind of just root for the guys. Like probably this year, I'm going to root for the jets. And like, I really like the storyline if the bills were to win uh, a super bowl, just because they're Fran- you know, the, the history of that, whatever, like about all, the Vikings. They've never done it. They still have Kirk cousins, but they have, uh, but like the, i am sort of like just root for teams, but like, if you're, are either you guys ardent fans of a, of a, of a NFL team,
2: I grew up a big Vikings fan. And since my dad was a Packers fan, it made me pretty, unless I cover the Vikings and I can't be a fan, but I don't cover them. So I'm a pretty, I'm like, uh, I'm like Chris, uh, a big Vikings fan. So why, like what, what about the Vikings? Are you actually
0: rooting for so like this is again like it's nearby because they're they're nearby You see more games and they're see you see more games but Dalvin cook may or may not be a viking and so we like them when they're on our team and then we go to a different team We don't like them and then the whole roster changes and the coach changes and like the the Washington commanders They sold to a different ownership group. So it's completely different like the building and the uniforms are more or less the same and that's it and why, so why do you? Con, why would someone be a lifelong Chiefs fan or lifelong Vikings fan or lifelong whatever? It doesn't make rational sense. And so when you're looking at th- sports through the lens of an administrator or of a TV executive or whatever, and you're thinking of it as in, ah, Alabama draws well usually. Well, it's because Alabama's playing LSU. Mm. That care that matters. Oh, Texas usually draws well. well it's because it's Texas versus Texas Tech that matters. Oh, USC draws really well. Well, all of a sudden Stanford sucks for a few years and there's 37 people that go to a Stanford game and no one tunes in. So there's a like the fickleness of that is it can very quickly dissipate and that's why like I do think that there is we're going to reach a saturation point where the TV money isn't going to return what it needs to because it's going to be so disturbed through these like the the you know Cal Berkeley in the ACC. Cal versus wake forest. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I couldn't care less. So I think that's, there is a, we, we, there, we, we will reach a saturation point where that doesn't, where, where you can't just pluck a team and say, they're going to play there. Even as business air quotes focused as you might be.
1: Well, I think too, like the, the, the TV deals is gonna be great. You know, they're bringing money, but like the, the downside of it is, you know, Iowa state, if they're playing Utah or BYU, like not as many Utah or BYU fans are going to show up to Jack Trice as Iowa fans or even Minnesota fans. And so that, that's, that's kind of the sad part for me is, is I was hoping that if we were to go to, you know, a, a super league or just a major league, that kind of the big 12 and the big 10 would, would merge. And maybe at some point in the future, we will we get back to more regionality because it would be so much better if you, if, if a game was within driving distance, so many more fans from both teams be able to to, to go to the games. And like you mentioned, if, if Stanford joins the ACC it, are people from Clemson going to come to Stanford? Probably not. And Stanford doesn't have anybody showing up anyway. So it's mm. like, who's gonna beat these games and, and they're getting paid, you know, X amount of dollars for the TV deal, but it's gonna be so boring to watch the game on TV when the stadium's empty, the crowds not into it. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're, you know, we're, we're losing what makes college football great rivalries in the PAC 12 are mm-hmm. essentially gone. I mean, that's, that's the best part of, of, of college sports, you know, and so for for me, it's 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 fun to see we are progressing and it's fun to see that we are combining leagues, but at the same time, it's also sad because regionally, not as close, and rivalries, I guess new rivalries could be formed, but the reason there are mostly rivalries is because of history. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if, you know, Iowa State and BYU have no history.
0: Other than uh, Melvin Edrum getting punched in the face <laughs> and flipping off a crowd,
2: yeah. which happened. DeAndre Kane with the the
0: the hard foul yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: i i just wanted I, they can maintain the regional rivalries non-conference wise but right. that's still different traditionally and when you were talking about nobody caring about um i'll just use a different analogy of maybe virginia techs playing um, usc uh they wouldn't care because in conference it doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. of regional mm-hmm. you know it, everyone's used to that but that is an interesting non-conference game Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so they have to preserve some of the pillars of tradition and history in order for this all to work and it's a matter of is that at the forefront or is it the dollar signs it's always at the forefront Mm -hmm. and i'd say usually in america the dollar signs are at the forefront and they say well we can figure out the tradition stuff later if they if all those things become vestiges of the past and it is all just these weird matchups, like you guys have brought up. That's where the sport really gets in trouble. And it's really, uh, on a slight tangent, it's a ab- complete aberration. Like there is no co- college sports that people care about anywhere in the world no. except the United States because they have clubs. They mm-hmm. separated out. Mm-hmm. They still get academics, mm-hmm. but they've identified the people who are the best athletes, and they go and they play on the U sixteen team, the U fifteen team, the U seventeen, U eighteen, and uh, That's why it must seem bizarre to people from Europe and other countries that they have college sports and it makes how much money and people go and root for them like we root for our football teams, Mm -hmm. you know, our soccer team. Yeah, it's it's an odd duck of a model to begin with. So they really need to be very careful about how they (laughs) decide what's best moving forward because again you lose the things we were talking about getting lost i i think it becomes almost untenable financially you know people will have gotten theirs but then you've got just a a product that like i said very few people care about Mm -hmm. and i i trust
0: that even the people that are in this you know the, the quote suits making the decision i think they recognize that that is the secret sauce Mm. to a point where you can't just throw the whole thing out because if you try and push it and push it and push it and push it and push it, eventually it's gonna break, you know? So I I do think that a, a reasonable business person is going to look at this and understand that you there there is, there is a threshold to this where if it gets pushed too far, then it doesn't work. And then you don't make your money back, in which case it's a poor business decision. And at that point, you're a stupid business person. And I think that hopefully most of the people are in like the people that are running the show are gonna end up in that situation.
1: And I know we're primarily a, a football podcast, but the new Big Twelve is gonna be one hell of a basketball Ooh. conference.
2: <laughs> oh. It already was yeah. Yeah. getting better. Oh man. <laughs> it's uh yeah, I mean that's that's a great byproduct of this. Obviously football drives the money decisions like 98%, but well, basketball, basketball able, has a big well, basketball and women's basketball some, I mean, yeah. good, some women's basketball, uh, uh, really good, uh, teams as well. I mean, there is an element of fun to the newness, like you talked about and new rivalries can be foreign, but the meaning of rivalries is lost. If all the old ones go away yeah. and yeah, like you said, I think they're smart enough that they try to maintain those one way or another. Arizona, Arizona, I'm mean, sorry, Arizona State, Washington state, may they play week two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the other rivalries can be maintained that way. But I mean, another thing aside of how the big wigs make the money work, the institutions are going to be stretched. I mean, UCLA wanted to go somewhere else because they're in debt. Um, the Pac-12 four teams apparently are, uh, owe Comcast for the overcharging thing that happened. I mean, the tr- you're already seeing institutes talk about the travel cost. I mean, USC and US- UCLA go into New Jersey or Maryland or even Iowa yeah I mean they're far flung for almost every game and, and I mean Arizona Arizona State come into Dames or Morgantown uh, you know they're going to incur bigger costs and you know so you get more money up front without really knowing exactly how the cost structure is going to come out so I mean like I said smart people will make rational decisions that aren't just self-interested uh, one you know, would hope. If, or else you know
0: yeah one would hope and and i think there is a i don't know do, do you have anything more on the on realignment like any other thoughts
1: i mean i would just ca- kind of touching the uh, last one i would say is you know the cost of travel that also plays into it whereas you know if, if if iowa state were to join a conference with minnesota you know you're not paying as much to travel there as, yep. as you so that, I don't know. It's it's exciting, but it's, for me, it's 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 also kind of sad. Yeah. And uh... hey, it's Kaylee Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download
2: the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you
1: never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're your heroes in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I think another thing that I just think, I don't want to say it's not even a good transition, but from exciting to weird so one of the main reasons we wanted rob on here one is to kind of let rob actually you know re ingratiate himself back to the cyclone fanatic crew that he has been gone for a couple years 17 17 years (laughs) uh so i wasn't able to get to media day grant didn't go to media day rob did get to go to media day so to color this a little bit um for media day how it normally works and so i think talking about how how it normally works versus how it worked on friday because again i was gone from thursday to sunday all of this happened so i'm just catching up on this on like the drive home as my wife is kind of reading through whether it's instagram or facebook and saying here's the things that happened." so how this normally works is media days usually on a friday it's usually a friday afternoon well friday morning sometimes yeah i think friday morning sometimes um but you'll have reporting or you'll report for camp on like a Monday or a Tuesday and you'll do your first few practices and they have an acclimatization period I think that's the acclimatization where you have like it's helmets helmets shells shells then you can go full pads or something and what what is shells so shells means helmets and shoulder pads where you're wearing shorts with like thigh protectors but you're not actually allowed to tackle because you're not full padded so shells is that's predominantly how you practice like especially during the majority of the year because tackling is inherently dangerous just because someone's going to land on somebody else. So you very rarely practice full pads, but in camp, you will practice full pads, at least some, but because, uh, going from not hitting someone to hitting someone, the pads are heavier. You're not sure where your hands, like where you're going to block. Somebody is different when they're wearing a set of shoulder pads, when they're, when they're not. So, uh, it's safer. For people to acclimatize into those. So there's I I think it's five practices where you have to go helmets only, helmets only. And also, fun fact when I told my wife this just generally like helmets only, helmets only, she was like, You guys are wearing pants, right?
1: <laughs> just the helmets. Just the
0: helmets. Nothing That's not else. True. <laughs> not even. <laughs> um, Starting shoulder, shoulder at a trough. At a trough <laughs> with just helmets. <laughs> uh, but it's like helmets only helmets only and you're wearing your practice jerseys and you know whatever and then shells and sh- shell shells and usually that's like helmets only Tuesday helmets only Tuesday tw- or Wednesday shells Thursday shells Friday and then you're kind of getting ready to go full pads like Friday night or Friday morning depending on when you actually set that up for, for media day and then Saturday you're doing it again like you're into two days by that point and media day is always always really fun because by that time you would have already done three or four straight like 14 hour days where it's like you have breakfast report at 6 30. And then you're going to go from 6.30 to 7.30 for breakfast, then 7.30 to 8.15, you have treatment if you have an injury. And then from 8.15 to uh, 9.45, you have meetings where you're going to watch film on install. And then you're going to go do a walkthrough from 9.45 to 10.15. And then you're going to practice from 10.15 to 11.30. And then you're going to shower and have lunch at noon. And then from 12 to 1.30, you're eating lunch. And then you're going back and taking a five-minute nap. Then you're back for the second practice. And then one. One thirty to two thirty is treatment, and two thirty to three thirty is film, and all. that. I mean, it's up until not, I think I, it was like six a.m. to nine p.m. is basically your two a days schedule. And by the time you get to Friday, you would have had two, or three, or four two a days, but you haven't practiced much full pads. Uh, I kind of describe it as like you would have reached the point where the bow is drawn back, and like by the, once you get to media day, the bow is released because it is full pads two a days like hard from that point forth so it's kind of the last little like all of us are friends right now because once you get (laughs) to the middle of camp we're not friends anymore like imagine being i don't know if you had the same feeling but it's sort of like being on a road trip with your brother for like three weeks like for the first week and a half you're like ah this is fun and the last two weeks that you're like i'm going to slap you if you look at me again did you have the same feeling during camp
1: uh no because our days weren't quite that You're long dick. Yeah. You're we, when, dick. when you said five minute nap i was like oh your naps are only five minutes like, oh, film what is film
0: <laughs> you watch, oh we we're supposed to watch ourselves kick i thought we were just supposed to go out and kick but like by the time you get to media day it, it does feel like it's the it's the sort of i don't want to say the last bit of fun but like it's silly because you are dressed in no shoulder pads your game pants with no pads underneath them and your game jerseys to do team pictures so it looks absurd like
1: and the jerseys fit weird without pads in them yeah because like they're extra puffy shoulders yeah (laughs) and like the they're super
0: tight during like in the chest so you have to like constantly pull it down otherwise you get this like weird bunch up underneath there Mm -hmm. so you're walking it looks absurd and from us, you do, you come out, you do like individual pictures, you'll do like position group pictures. So you get all the running backs together, you get all the special teams guys together, and then you do the team picture. And then after the team picture is when we talk to Rob, because then you guys get to come out in the field and it's just like a free for all. So from your perspective, do you have a list of people like on a normal media day? Do you have a list of people that you want to talk to? Or you just go like, oh, look, KO's
2: available. I'm going to go talk to KO. I usually have a list and uh you know an outline of some form because media days sometimes you're not going to get access to certain players uh, younger players for instance i mean now they have the no, you know campbell has the no true freshman talking rule that changes things a little bit but um so there's always a plan you want to have your main story and a notebook for the day covered that's your main priority but then you're thinking I could do a feature on this player, this player, this player, something else is going on. There's some issue. I could talk to people about that, uh, an assistant about, uh, you know, if there's a new assistant, you know, maybe you start working on a feature on them. So you're laying the groundwork for things to come. And, um, I remember the all accesses, even sometimes we were starting when they were still doing pictures. So you had to Mm -hmm. wait for some people of some position groups, pictures team, you know, you got linebackers DJ. getting done.
0: You're like, Oh, I'm waiting to talk to AJ. Uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. You go do the picture. I'll, I'll be here when you get back. Yeah.
2: And, and inevitably you'd miss a person or two that you wanted to get just because of all the moving parts they are getting pulled for, uh, you know, the media photograph uh, photographers or TV. And then they finally get back that even happened with seven guys, a couple of guys, there was a TV tent and a print tent or print internet, you know, whatever we call this writers stuff now. Yeah. Writers content creators Ooh, you're a content creator that's demeaning <laughs> um but so some writers went into the tv tent <laughs> i followed the rules so a couple of the guys that came once they were done with the tv tent came over and sat down in the writer tent and if they weren't talked to in two minutes pff, they're gone uh-huh. so um i think i talked to five guys but you know understand so it was weird i mean if you want yeah. me to expand on that i mean and that's just, that's
0: yeah i did want to get you on it because this media day like the the setup of this media day was way different because they did that carnival atmosphere that grant and i got to be a part of where team pictures and like, i remember there was one year where they just gave jacques a camera yeah oh yeah and then yeah.
1: and a small microphone i think right? and, a, and a
0: very yeah. tiny microphone to go just interview interview guys, and, interview guys on the team yep. yeah. 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 yeah for i think it was for cycling. TV. yep and it was just like here jacques you're good at talking <laughs> go talk <laughs> and so like there's that carnival atmosphere that kind of fun stuff about it and on friday and like due to all the stuff that's swirling which the gambling stuff i think the first swing of the bat has come through there are more swings of the bat to happen i don't know who's going to be hit by it i don't know who what the severity of it is but there's more stuff going on uh and then with the realignment stuff there's obviously stuff they don't know about it like matt campbell's probably not privy to those discussions it's probably like this is happening. Just wanted to let you know. Like it's not, what do you think about this? It's probably you get on a conference call with, you know, Fenley, TJ, uh, whatever, those people and like, hey, uh, we're talking to Arizona State. Uh, good, good chance that Arizona State and Utah are going to be joining for the 2024 season. Uh, what questions do you have? This is happening. Like, I imagine that's what it's so they can't answer those questions. So this year, it was just Campbell and seven guys, no carnival. What was that like this year relative to years past?
2: It was, you know, extremely difficult to do the planning part. I mean, you could still figure out. Usually, I I wrote a main part because of the recent news, what it was two and a half days earlier that, you know, the information about Hunter Deckers with the Iowa DCI probe came out. And I think that's the main reason Campbell wanted it to be buttoned up. I guess I'll go into explanation before I say what it was like, because he wanted to be the front man. He didn't want even... You know, I personally I don't quite understand the no assistance situation because we don't usually get them that frequently too. So we would in the past sometimes get the OC and DC, obviously uh, during the week at some point. And who knows what it'll be like going forward. But I can understand him wanting to be like with all this stuff. I want to be the guy to say what I can or can't say. Or and and he laid that out and did a rare opening statement as well. Um, so i can understand that you know obviously it makes it more difficult for us to write uh i guess really creatively because you're when your source material is limited it's um it, that becomes impossible but i understand why campbell did it and i think it was completely precipitated just my opinion i i, I didn't ask him about it but by the situation with hunter and 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 obviously uh Souser, who just voluntarily Mm. left the team since, and all the other stuff, that he didn't want the potential for those players to have to be subjected to, hey, what's it like not having blank here? Mm. I got any comment? Did did you do, you know? So he brought out guys he knew, had talked before. Obviously, four of them, I think, had been at Big 12 Media Days. So, what, 58% of the offering? (laughs) So they knew how to, you know, handle this stuff. Uh Um, and, and, And so I get that. It, it, But does it make it more difficult for us? Yes. I mean, it made me do some things, uh, you know, like I reverted back to some of the old questions I would ask, like just some, just to see whether I could find a, a kernel or a nugget of something for a feature on one of those guys that I talked to going forward. Like, you know, first time you picked up a football. I always picked pick up a football. What was it like? Sometimes you'll get a story like, oh, I was terrible. You know, I, I, I didn't even want to play. I love playing mm-hmm. baseball. So you find something that you can work from for a feature that's, beyond, hey, you know, you went 16 for 28 passing last week, and hey, you ran for 88 yards and a touchdown. You know, what's that like? Yeah, so, you know, I was talking to Aiden about it, and I was like, it's kind of like you're a fisherman. You Just throw something out and see Uh if there's a bite. And you get some nibbles, and sometimes you get a real bite. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're just like, nah, nah. In which case, you're not interested. Leave that on the floor. Not interested. But so it, it didn't, the vibe wasn't bad. I mean, there was no feeling of tension. I don't think, although clearly, I mean, I'd imagine the amount of tension Matt's feeling is pretty high because you talk about a guy that he always says he want to control the controllables. Well, there's a big uncontrollable from a criminal probe that that's now done, but now an NCAA probe, which will impact mm-hmm. the team further. And
0: I would imagine they've. I mean, listeners have probably heard rumors of what else is coming down the pike, but those are just rumors. And I would imagine he is privy to slightly more information, but still not a full throw of information. Like, I think the severity of what Deckers allegedly had done was new to everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody was like, yeah, we knew he was betting on games or on uh, you know on Iowa State. I don't, I don't think anybody knew that. I, I mean, oh. when you get the the thing, there's some dumb rules that the NCAA has, and there's some good rules that the NCAA has. Not betting on your own games is one of those good rules that should not exist. Uh, and so I would imagine with Campbell, you know, trying to get in front of as much, and you mentioned like there's a big is that like <laughs> because of that, you go,
2: the hell else is coming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he people don't like to hear it when you said, Hey, I know you guys got a job to do and I respect that, but I can't comment on things that are being currently being investigated. The whole, it, it, you could be in legal trouble if you comment on. Them. Yeah. <laughs> now with the NCAA, that's a little bit hazier, but the, the DCI stuff had just come out. I, is that investigation over? They did say that there would be no more, um, you know, that that was it in terms of Iowa State. And for some reason, you and I wasn't part of the mix, but that's a discussion for another day. Or Simpson, you know, any uh. any anybody who competes under the uh, aegis of the, uh, the NCAA, whether it's division one, two, II, or three. But at any rate, um, I, it, it, I guess to circle back, it, it was weird, but I guess it was necessarily weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, well, it's, Campbell's in a difficult spot. And I think he, except for injuries, I think he likes to always be very upfront. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, take something on head on. And he, 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 because of the nature, because of ongoing investigations, he couldn't really do that. So he was blunt about that as he could. And he still got asked questions about it. And he answered those to the best of his ability without, you know, treading into any dangerous territory. So it was a, it was a good media day, but extremely weird to not. And they had already curtailed it a little bit to select players, mm-hmm. but it was not a select seven. It was a select like twenty, yeah. maybe. I mean, so yeah, a, a different kind of day, but you know, not a bad day. Other than the fact that it's in the wake of some bad news, with probably some lesser bad news <laughs> forthcoming down the road.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think that this is. I, I think that this year Campbell is going to be very um, tight-lipped. I think it's a very pivotal year as opposed to his normal very loose lip yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> very yes very yes I knew Hunter Deckers was the game no um because he's coming off a of four and eight four and eight season there's a lot of unknowns with you know new coaches a lot of young guys that last year was their first year playing mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of young guys who'll be their first time playing this year so I think in my opinion I I think that the reason Campbell didn't have any assistance there and only had seven guys was because kind of thinking how I feel like a coach would think it's almost like, okay, you guys focus on what you gotta do and yep. I will i will be the shield, I'll take the bullets, I'll mm-hmm. handle everything that gets thrown at me. You guys focus on football, don't worry about the outside distractions, we focus on what's going on inside these walls and be you know, the best versions of ourselves uh, that, that we can be and not let any inside or outside distractions derail us from what we're trying to accomplish this year.
2: I agree and it's interesting because I hadn't thought about it this way before you brought up, <clears throat> excuse me, what you, think his approach is, you know, in this situation. But remember last year, young team, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: new starting quarterback, uh, decided to have some open practices, decided Mm -hmm. to put them out in front of people Mm -hmm. more than you had the season where six, one score losses, the Oklahoma game was essentially a one score loss until the the, the interception. And uh, maybe thinking maybe the best thing for me to do with a young team is to and then when you throw in the, the controversy and and, and, and and the legal issues and NCAA issues, um, they probably better to shield these guys, yeah. like I said. And they tried that, and it doesn't mean that that had anything to do with California, yeah. but when you open up more than you ever have, and the detail, the things you harp on in your program go wrong in so many close games and all that, it, it would be wise, and he's a like, guy I, I know that, he always says, I take a deep dive he gives a lot of thought. Did it, it, we do everything the right way? You might go, well, that's one variable we changed, and look at the result. How about we eliminate that variable now and uh, and, and and take a different approach and 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 hope for different results? Because you know the, you're a few plays away from. Being eight and four, and I know people have said that all it doesn't make any. You know, for a, for a fan perspective, perspective that doesn't matter. You still want four and eight, right? Yeah. But competitively, they were there almost every single game. And I'd like to bring up because it's so mind-boggling. Even the TCU lost sixty-two points. Yeah, you finally that the the dam broke in terms of giving up points. But what was it, three hundred and seventy-seven yards they gave up or something? It's because of all the things that went wrong, like a special teams problem, a, a, a turnover yeah, problem. Special teams. We have a special teams coordinator now, so that's all going to be solved this year. Yep. That's right. Never miss a kick again. But I mean, that no game kind of brought all those elements together in like a, a an all-star game of, <laughs> of low lights, you know, so, in yeah, a I've, way. I've, I've heard, came to head. I've
0: heard yeah. of those as a shit tornado. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was. Um, I don't know. I, there's the the interesting, the one last kind of interesting piece about it is I think to, to build off the taking you, uh, accept criticism and deflect praise. Like that is the natural quarterback coach or quarterback comma coach that does that. You know, you listen to guys like, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, like the new crop, Lamar Jackson, the guys that are the best in the game right now, that is the quintessential approach of leadership because, uh, you deflect praise and accept criticism. Jalen hurts for sure. Jalen hurts. Great. Like is the, the example of, Hey, you, you, Jalen you threw for 375 yards and ran for hundred yards and accounted for five touchdowns. How, you know, what did you feel like during that game? You know, I, it's really easy to do that when your offensive line is really good, like Mm -hmm. immediately deflect praise and then, Hey Jalen, you threw for 350 yards and got four touchdowns, but you guys were still came up short. I mean, what did you see in the defense? Like, honestly, we put them in bad positions. We gave him short fields and we didn't, you know, like accept praise, deflect criticism every single time. And when in years past they've had this guy named Brock that's been able to do that and before then you have a guy like Lazard and before that you have a guy like Joel Lanning that in the years past they've had a person who all the players look up to and who is naturally understands that concept of leadership of accept criticism and deflect praise that like this really young team I don't know if they've got that guy yet but with having a forcibly new starting quarterback. I know that's how JJ thinks. Like he came to our gym for, since he was four foot two, which was like, I mean, when he was like three years old, but like four foot two, kid's a monster. (laughs) Uh, But like, I know that's how he thinks. His skill might not be at that level yet. And I would imagine because Rocco's dad was a coach, that's probably how Rocco thinks might also be how decker's thinks i didn't know him personally but and you also didn't get to hear him talk much but like i imagine once the leadership gets developed from the quarterback position and or like xavier hutchinson was sort of that guy last year but wide receiver just by nature of position it is a singular position where like you have a battle against a cornerback go win it go Mm -hmm. catch the ball make it like there it is part of the team game but that is the most individual one-on-one style of that versus the quarterback is the ultimate team facilitation so like you that guy has to be a leader so it'll be interesting when Rocco slash JJ slash whomever it's probably it's between those two guys not but it's probably and it's very likely Rocco like I, I think he's like a 99 percent
1: I wouldn't count Hughes out just yeah I think they might have some packages in there for him but I think <clears> packages yeah yes not starting
0: correct breaking down defense and stuff Ram. like the, the land Ram, red zone the joeldozer around. yeah, yeah. But I think that you'll have, once, those, that, once that person has some success under their belt and gets looked to by the team as, all right, you're our dude, then I would imagine the availability of guys like that will open up. But I doubt, to your point, I doubt that it's just like open season, here's everybody, go talk to them. I doubt that that's going to be a thing, especially as you're starting to figure out who the leaders on this team are.
2: To that point, Campbell's been increasingly that way. If you notice, he's always been a guy that generally deflects praise. Haycock is a prime example of that. Whenever you ask him about any success the defense is having he's like, that's all our players. You know, that's their commitment. That's them doing what they're supposed to do and doing it exceptionally well. But Campbell, if you remember, as the season progressed, I guess we have, you know, chronologically, it did progress uh, last season. Um, he was. There were a lot of uh, moments where he was saying, "That's on me. That's mm-hmm. on me. That's on me." You know, if an execution issue in, in one of those close losses, it's like, "That's hey, ultimately that's on me." And whenever people praise the team, he kind of does with, "Hey, does well. Our players have bought in. They they're doing what they're supposed to do, and that's what happens when you have that type of player-driven leadership. You know, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff." So I think. Having that example, and I mean, to be fair, most coaches try to do that, but I mean, I think he's um, really conscious of that and and, and and a good example of that. And when you have that from the top, uh, I think that will naturally, beyond what you said, I mean, Rocca being the son of a coach and a former NFL player and Anthony and Becht and uh, JJ, uh, that that can only help, you know, bring inculcate that into those guys and, and make them, you know, more of the, I accept blame mm-hmm. and deflect, uh, praise types of guys.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like that, you know, the, the quarterbacks we have in the room are very much more of a, a, a Brock type type mold where they're mm-hmm. just students of the smart game. decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. Smart. decisions. And, you know, I think Dave Montgomery really set the foundation of what it means to, um, be truly invested in being like, I mean, I don't know if, if you ever did it, but when I was never staying late on Saturday nights in the I had to, kitchen. man,
0: <laughs> I had to, yeah, this uh, foot speed ain't great to play running back when you're this big, so you got to get but, advantage. But it, wasn't, it wasn't the whole team. You know, right. Where, it wasn't where, the whole team.
1: You know, where Dave Montgomery was bringing in quarterback receivers the, the, the you know, other running backs, Lyman, he was bringing guys in, mm. you know, they weren't hitting, they weren't hitting Welch have on Saturday night. Mm. And I feel like the quarterbacks we have in the room now, are very much that way. And I don't know Deckers. I don't know if he was not that way, but I just, I see the demeanor and the leadership that, that Rocco and JJ possess. And I think, I think we're in, I think we're in good hands this year. I'll make a bold prediction. I think this year we'll, we'll be okay. We might go six and six, hopefully better, mm-hmm. hopefully not worse. But I think next year we're gonna get the 10 wins. That's wow. my, that's my prediction. That's bold. We have a lot of, we have a lot of guys this year who are going to be redshirt freshmen or sophomores playing. We have a few upperclassmen, you the freshman looking good too, we are still gonna be young this year. We're still gonna have our growing pains, but I think, I think next year will be our year and I'm not gonna just, you know, toss this, toss this year to the side. Uh-huh. But, um, I think this year, I think one reason why Campbell has kind of, uh, locked it down and buttoned it up is because it is going to be a, um, a growing pains type year. We're gonna figure out a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of things amongst guys who maybe haven't played a ton or last year was their first year playing. I think he wants to get the guys refocused, especially with all the outside noise going on, and just refocus on what we can do, especially because we had so many close losses last year. We were right there. I think he's, uh, yeah.
2: Chris and Brent brought it up a number of times. That it has a feel of 2017. Yep. And Campbell brought up, uh, and I don't know if I was talking on the side or if he said it to everyone. I think he did say it to everyone, but you know, my middle-aged or grizzled uh, veteran. Middle, upper middle-aged grizzled veteran. <laughs> brain isn't always... Uh, uh, retaining information as, as as well as it has in the past. But he alluded to 2016. And you think about they got smoked while they were trying to figure out who wants to play in the program. They had that awful Iowa loss. And then a lot of close losses. And then at the end of the year, a really embarrassing mm-hmm. loss to West Virginia. You know, how are you going to react to that type of stuff? And you saw in 2017, presumably out of nowhere and with after the Jacob Park sunglasses and coming in and for all these big games and then he just off the team a guy named Kyle Kemp that nobody had any regard for and hadn't played much college football goes and wins at Oklahoma when you're down big enough and you build and you win close games right Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden holy cow you you've got a chance to you know win eight games whereas you know people that looked at last year's team which yes there were some newcomers but a lot of the same guys that played after the first few weeks mm-hmm. um had learned from that and become winners as a, as as uh, in the process. Yeah.
1: Was was 2017 the year that we didn't fumble I, I guess, I suppose hardly ever, yeah. except versus Memphis when it was a fumble. Air quotes. Um I, I feel like that's going to be the recipe for success for us Take take care of the ball, let the defense, you know, do their thing and we're going to have, you know, a lot of three three score or three score three point wins mm-hmm. a lot of close games that we are just grinding out and yeah i think you know if if clanton can can get these the big uglies to be road graders, and we can just you know march on the field and yeah i think i think 2017 is a great comparison um because we won ugly games won close games but i think that's maybe how we have to win
0: yeah um i think the we, I mean, we've had so a solid hours worth of talking with us we have two more weeks to go before there's actually a game so we are gonna save some of this so rob thank you for coming in Uh, absolutely great to be with you it's good to be back and like i don't know it's as as good of a writer as chris is chris writes emotionally like writes what he's feeling at the time you write stories and that's and it's i just really enjoy reading your stuff so i'm glad to have you back on the team
2: much appreciated Uh, be back
0: so the last thing is if uh, i think there's one sponsor we didn't get to which so you guys are interested in strength conditioning for your school go to goldfinchspeed.com uh lots of different options available for you just check that out grant rob thanks for coming in
2: thank
1: you 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 guys all right check it later see you next time